Welcome back to the Registry R Roundup for this week, commencing Monday the 15th of June, and we have got a packed show for you today, and we have the biggest ever virtual studio we've had as well, which is fantastic. Joining us, of course, with all the news and views from the trade repository space is uh, our regular virtual studio crew, and that goes in no particular order, but starting with the nicest and most efficient person, Barbara Ruiz Alonso, Head of Client Services. Hi, hello everyone. And then obviously joining us again is the voice of reason and uh, head of business development, Nick Bruce. Hello everyone. And last but never least uh, with the regular crew is the acting chief operations officer for the UK and also head of product in Europe, John Kernan. Morning everyone. Hey, can't I get a cool name? Barbara's the nicest person in the business. Nick is the voice of reason. As I'm doing the Brexit stuff, can't I be the prophet of doom or something cool like that? You are My the, kids would love that. You are the grim reaper of Brexit, John. Oh, just call him, just call him Dr. Evil. He's got that look. <laughs> yeah. Shaved head. Okay, I'll come in again. I'll come in again. And joining us, we have uh, Acting Chief Operations Officer and Head of Product in Europe, also Dr. Evil, John Kernan. <laughs> Great, uh, but we have special guests this week. Joining us from the Deutsche Borsa, uh, from the Group Regulatory Strategy Team, uh, an analyst there, we have uh, Dafina Gassi. Hi, everyone. Hey, Dafina. And Dafina, it, it turns out that you've been responsible for all our Brexit updates all along. Is that right? John's just been ripping off your briefings. <laughs> I'm the true John, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is my Wizard of Oz moment, Andrew. You're pulling back the curtain to see the fraud pulling all the levers. That's... Uh, yeah. No, it's Dafina and her team that do all of the research behind uh, behind our weekly updates. So without Dafina and her team, we wouldn't be able to give you those high-quality updates. Also joining us, though, we have uh, the Director of Sales and Head of Customer Relations for Delta Connects, Fabian Klar. Hello, everybody. We have also joining us from uh, CSS Nordic, CSS Regtech, the CEO of the Nordic Territories, it's Mikkel Murtop. Hello, everyone. Hey, Mikkel, thank you for joining us. So we have a packed show for you today, and we're going to be talking, of course, with Fabian and Mikkel and the rest of the team about uh, the uh, wind-up of uh, CME Next Abide in uh, Europe and what that means for onboarding clients and planning your uh, porting over to a new repository. But before any of that happens, this is a financial services podcast, and anything could happen in the next 15 minutes. And so here is our disclaimer, which this week we have set to some 19 90s Chicago house music. This podcast is sponsored by Registry R and features members of the Registry R team offering their personal opinions. It is not intended to be taken as any form of legal, tax, or other professional advice, and there is no representation made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information within it, nor does it necessarily reflect the opinions of Registry R as an organization. All right, then. So we're going to start the show as normal with uh, a Brexit update. There's been obviously uh, quite a lot of Brexit news sort of bubbling under recently. We all saw on the news Michael Gove having a video conference chat with his counterparts at uh, the uh, um, European Commission. So there is uh, probably a lot to report on, which has been written by Dafina, but will be read by Dr. Evil himself, John Kernan. Okay, good morning. As EU-UK future negotiations have stalled in recent weeks and with six months left until the end of the Brexit transition period, the prospect of a no-deal Brexit after the end of 2020 has become more apparent. At an EU diplomats meeting, diplomats from Ireland and Belgium warned that the EU could be doubly affected by a no-deal Brexit and the economic consequences of the pandemic. 
Belgium further argued that the EU Commission's recovery fund proposals did not take sufficient account of the economic threat posed by Brexit, and Ireland pointed out that a potential Brexit shock may need to be included in the EU's broader debate on the recovery fund and the forthcoming seven-year budget. Meanwhile, the UK said it wanted to speed up the pace of its negotiations with the EU by changing the format of the talks, the Paymaster General Penny Morduant told the House of Commons on the 9th of June. However, she also stressed that the UK will not be extending the transition period when it meets with its EU counterparts on the 12th of June at a Brexit joint committee. Okay, so this has been the big news that's dominated all week, is that there will be no extension to the transition period. So that means, you know, come December, uh, regardless of what is happening uh, relating to uh, the COVID pandemic, we are definitely ending the transitional arrangements, and that means potentially there is a cliff edge looming. And who do you want standing next to you on a cliff edge... Uh, more than someone from the uh, regulatory strategy team at the Deutsche Borsa. Dafina, we're standing on the cliff edge. What's going to happen next? We have we have a lot of crystal balls on this show. Do you have a crystal ball? Is it better than Nick's? I have a crystal ball. Probably let me start uh, with a more positive uh, scenario. So if we're lucky, we could also reach an agreement by the end of this year um, and would, would then um, have a new relationship uh, beginning of 2021. Um, other than that, there is also another scenario where we could have an extension probably as an addition to uh, what John just mentioned. Uh, this week is going to be very exciting as uh, today the first meeting since January between um, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson and the presidents of the European Commission, the Council and Parliament uh, will take place to discuss uh, the state of play of Brexit. And this could indeed add some further momentum to the discussions. Uh, also on Friday, uh, we saw that both sides agreed to kind of intensify the future talks with the aim to conclude an agreement by the end of this year. So um, we will see further intensified uh, negotiation talks taking place in July, August and in September in a more, let's say, restricted format to ensure progress in the negotiations. So um, what I want to say is, even though um, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson and others denied to request an extension, um, in theory, uh, however, this could still change. Since we all know, um, nothing can be predicted with regards to Brexit. So um, we will see whether both sides uh, will request an extension um, to the Brexit transition period beyond um, 2020. Um, both sides need to agree upon this by the end of June. So I'm really looking forward to that. Obviously, there's been a lot of uh, talk about there definitely not being an extension in the news. But last week, uh, we had Danny Corrigan on, uh, former CEO of uh, CMETR. And he was very positive that there would be a deal coming in October. Um, so he said, yes, we're going to have a deal in October and it's all going to work out fine in the end. It, do you think that's that could be on the cards? Could we be that lucky? I'm not sure, to be honest. I think um, 
it's quite challenging because we only have six months to go in case we have no extension and there are uh, both sides remain far apart on key issues such as the fishing rights, um, the level playing field and cooperation on security. So I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure on that. They seem like typical negotiation tactics where everyone's putting out their extreme positions. And I always say the thing about lines in the sand are they can be rubbed out and redrawn. When you look at Brexit, everyone's talking tough at the moment. I believe that there, there has to be an element of flex in that. So I wouldn't hold anything to the fact that there will be a hard Brexit. So, yeah, it's back to the crystal balls. The dynamic may be changing somewhat. I read, I read in The Guardian on uh, Saturday, I think it was, that in a recent opinion poll, um, 50, something like 50% of the population uh, would be in, in favour of an extension to the Brexit transition period. So even those, even those people who are firmly in favour of Brexit itself still see the economic sense in um, extending the transition period. So I guess it also depends on how that dynamic plays out as well. Okay, now I've got to pause on the Brexit chat there just because we could we could talk about it for the rest of the show, but we can't because we've got other big stories. Thank you, Dafina, very much. And do stay for uh, the discussion because now we're talking about something else which you need a regulatory strategy for, no doubt, and that is um, the wind down of CME next to Bide. That's left an awful lot of market participants uh, without... Uh, relationship with the TR. They're going to need one of those. Um, and we are running out of time to port over effectively. And this is this is quite a big issue, isn't it, for the whole TR industry. It's great at this point to bring in uh, Fabian and Mikkel as well. And I just want to say that obviously just to keep the compliance team happy that it's wonderful to have Delta Connex and CSS Regtech here with us. But we are platform agnostic. We work with uh, all the major players and some of the minor ones too in the intermediary space and we at Registry are fully interoperable so there there you go that's uh, a brownie points with the lawyers for me I'm the compliance guy who who knew okay back to the big story though um, are we running out of time to migrate all those clients over to a new TR the time frame as we talked about the CME next abide you know it has to be wound down by November so the time frame is compressed and we know from discussions with our clients Barbara and Nick will be able to back up that you know, many of those prospects looking to move from CME will look to engage with intermediaries like like the ones um, we have here, represented by Fabian and Mikel, um, to to assist them um, with their reporting. We've been working for a very long time um, with these two companies here, and um, they will have some great advice for participants looking to move. Adding on what John is saying, I think that if you look upon it from an operational perspective, of course, there's uh, the open contracts that has to be moved, and all those contracts has to live up to the RTS standard. I think that is a job in itself. Uh, then, of course, there's also the choice of the new TR and potentially the choice of an arm, all going directly to the NCA, depending on where you're placed in Europe. I think there are some different options. Uh, and But I think at the end of the day, when you look upon the time frame, as was also mentioned before, that this is a weekend job. And not only there's a lot of work that has to be done on your own side, but it's also a collaboration between the TRs and the number of weekends are quite limited because in in just to start with, first of all, you have to identify what TR you're going to use. 
And then you have to uh, agree if you are to build the uh, integration yourself or use an uh, intermediary. And then uh, you have to agree with the old TR CME and the new TR on the weekends. And then you have to upgrade your data, uh, have a discussion <laughs> with the NCA and so forth. And I think that honestly, with, with the uh, refit and with the SFTR, I think time is of essence. Uh, so, so from an operational perspective, this is quite challenging, I would say. Yeah, so I, I totally agree with Mikael. Uh, indeed, it, it is a very challenging situation for the market participants. I, I would even go a step further. So first of all, we, we need to differentiate because we're talking about CME winding down reporting services. We have basically two different entities. The one is the CME as trade repository, so the one who's holding the status basically. And we have the Nexabyte uh, regulatory reporting hub as as, as such, where they are offering different kind of regulations and multiple uh, regimes that that are supported from their side. So all that is it is not simply the same thing for a client changing what from one TR to another, where there is under EMEA a portability protocol in place, etc., which is uh, still challenging because it's weekends where uh, those things are done, etc. But we have also uh, clients using, um, especially Nexabyte, for multiple regulations. So let's say they're using them for the ARM transaction reporting under MIFIA. They're using them for tra uh, trade reporting or post and pre-trade transparency under uh, MIFIA 2. They're using them for um, EMEA, but also potentially for other regulations which are not in Europe, where they might still now think about using a different intermediary or a different trade repository. So, and especially for SFTR, which kicks in only in about uh, one month, well, they are not able to simply change the trade repository or whatever they, they have chosen in a very short time because with the uh, Nexabyte, they can report in CSV formats. With the trade repository, it's only uh, feasible in the uh, ISO 20022 XML format. So they will probably start report with Nexabyte and then move over the data on a later stage. And as far as I know, there's no portability protocol in place yet. So this is, I guess, even more challenging under SFTR than it is potentially under EMEA. Yeah, Fabian, you're right. For for SFTR, we'll see. We, we don't have yet the, the guidance from ESMA in these regards. But to first, I would like to go to Mikael's point on the, on the weekends that we will be tied. Uh, the message to our listeners will be the sooner you decide your strategy, uh, the better. And on the strategy, my belief is that given this tsunami of changes that we are mentioning, potentially many clients will uh, change their strategy to uh, go to service providers because, because at some point we've passed the limit of what entities can absorb themselves and they will need to start going through uh, service providers to, to delegate all this, all this workload. And I think this is not only a challenge for the client, this is also a challenge for the TRs because as a TR, you might have done portability before, but that has only been on the open contracts. Now the requirement for the portability will also be on the historical records and all the rejected records. And those records will not live up to the RTS standard. You actually might be in a situation where you will have to migrate 
records that are still at level one or level two validation. So it's not only the the old uh, next byte CME clients, it's also the the receiving TR that will be under stress for a period. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with all of the points that are being made here. I, I guess if you look, put this in perspective, so we talk about all of the, almost like a, it's a tsunami of stuff happening at the same time. So you go, a mere refit, that's happening the 18th of June. SFTR, the first wave is the 11th of July. The next wave is the 11th of October. CME, I think the, everything has to be ported across and away by the 15th of November. Then you've got Brexit potentially at the end of the year. There is a lot of activity for the TR. When you when a TR, you know, when a TR like CME is winding up, it's not a straightforward portability, as Mikel just said. This is a lot of planning. There is a lot of activity, and that's why we've sort of had a call to arms before. And I think clients are looking at their structure and the way they operate and how they can manage this in the most efficient and practical manner. Okay, and I'd like to just loop. Defina back in here. I mean, you know, from a sort of strategy point of view, from a, a regulatory strategy point of view, uh, is this uh, like Brexit? It's one of those situations where you really need to prepare for the worst. Uh, market participants should prepare for the worst and hope for the best is a very good advice I could give to everyone. I mean, we could have a deal, we could have an extension, we could have a no deal, but um, the best thing for the wider market is uh, to really get prepared for the worst. So in the end, it's uh, the best you can do. So one final question I wanted to put out, because we are coming to the, the, the end of the roundup, and it feels like we've only just got going with this discussion. I'm sure it's going to come up again. But one thing uh, that came out of last week's chat with Danny Corrigan is we're seeing a big market change for TRs. We've really got Regis TR, we've got... Um, Univista and uh, DTCC uh, operating. Is this going to be known as the era where the intermediaries and the ancillary, the ancillary organizations really came into their own as uh, being key parts of the landscape in a way maybe they, they weren't a few years ago? I think when you look upon it from when EMEA came around, I think that we were quite alone as an intermediate around EMEA and with MIFID too, some, some more came around. But with SFTR, I think that the, the number of intermediate kind of exploded. Uh, so it has become a commodity in the business that wasn't around previously. You want yes. to be careful, guys. You don't want to become too important because uh, once you become too important, then there'll be uh, calls for you to become regulated entities. Well, if it is so, John, anyway, I don't think we can, we can do anything about it. If, if it is decided in that way, we, we will have to live with it. No, but I, I think uh, I, I agree with, with Mikael. I think uh, back in time in, in 2014, it was not very common that entities were using intermediaries. Some of them had their system or treasury system providers that uh, offered them a reporting module, which was more cumbersome because basically for those entities, it was kind of a niche service they had to propose, but it was not uh, a real uh, profit center for them. So there was not that kind of monitoring, etc. And entities at the very beginning, they thought it's going to be something like a MIFID 1, where you had very little changes over the years. So they implemented once the reporting logic and uh, they thought they could report with that logic for the next couple of years, 10 years or even more. Well, reality has shown us that this was not the case for, uh, for EMEA 
We still have massive changes with Amy Refit six years after it went live. I'm not expecting that in anyhow those regulations will be stable at any time in the future. They will certainly uh, stabilize a little bit. It's not the same as as the EMEA, uh, where you really had uh, the problem that it was basically the first transaction-based regulation in Europe where nobody had any idea on, on wh- how to report what. And ESMA has... Um, Worked on the on the on the technical standards more or less in a hurry in a very in a rush, so I don't see exactly the same. But in the end, it always uh, depends on even small changes can have really big impacts on the client's IT side, etc. And that's basically even tiny changes that you might not consider as being dramatic. They have a huge impact, a huge cost, which is aligned with this, etc. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Fabian, except for the fact that I really hope we get stable at some point in time. I've been here like since the very beginning of the reporting start date of Emir, and I have seen all the changes we've experienced, and I can agree with him on the on the big challenge this is for the for the technical teams because really you uh, we could not expect the huge scalability that was going to be required for the systems. So at some point in time, we really needed to to do um, huge changes in the system to really face the, the, the changes ESMA were, were requesting. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I think for any, we, there's still lots of things to do because, uh, but I, I imagine the future as really something super standardized that... Uh, Everyone will be get used to it, but the, the path to get to that point is, is definitely being very hard for everyone. I can't believe I've got to draw things to a close there. We could have gone on with this one for a while. This is a, a, a really interesting topic, and clearly there's more to roll out of this. But in the meantime, uh, it's probably uh, good to say a big thank you to our Brexit specialist this week, our special guest, Dafina Gassi, who is an analyst of the Deutsche Börse from the Group Regulatory Strategy Team. Thank you very much for having me. And a big thanks to Fabian Klar, Director of Sales and Customer Relations for Delta Connects. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. And a big thank you to uh, Mikkel Mertup, who's the CEO of the Nordic Territories at CSS RegTech. Happy to participate. Thank you for inviting. And as always, it just remains for us to say bye-bye from the nicest and most efficient person at RegisTR. And that, of course, is Head of Client Services, Barbara Ruiz Alonso. Goodbye, everyone. And thanks, Dafina, Mikkel and Fabian for joining us today. And of course, a big thank you from the voice of reason. And he's been very reasonable this week as well. Head of business development, Nicholas Bruce. Uh, thank you very much. Goodbye, everyone. But thank you, Dathina, Mikhail, Fabian. Really appreciated um, your contribution. Thank you. And saving the best till last, our very own uh, Dr. Evil himself, Chief uh, uh, Head of Product, rather, in Europe, and Acting Chief Operations Officer in the UK, John Cunn. Thanks, Andrew. Bye, everyone. Have a great week. Have a great week, everybody. I've been Andrew Walker, and um, we want to see you next week for... Can you believe next week is our our last uh, episode of the season? Episode 12. I know. I know. Episode 12 of the Red Studio Roundup. Next week. Don't miss it. We have got a very special show for you with... Uh, Phil Brown, of course, who is the uh, CEO of Clearstream Holdings, and he is going to be uh, joining us to really look back 
on uh, the last 10 years of uh, regulation since uh, Registry R kicked off. And uh, there will be more special surprises coming as well. And stay tuned because it's not the end. Season two is on the way and we've got some amazing things planned for our second season. But join us next week for episode 12. It's going to be the big one. You're not going to uh, regret you did. And of course, do download us. Find us on LinkedIn. Send us your comments. Ask us your questions. If you'd like to appear on the show, just give us a shout and do it. And in the meantime, all that remains is from us to say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.